Welcome to the podcast of Woburn Baptist Church. We hope that you enjoy listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Before I begin um, in with the scripture, I just wanted to say something that was a, a little bit on my heart before we get started. Um, in Second uh, Timothy chapter two, verse two, I'll go ahead and start with verse one. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Uh, that was Paul's um, discipleship discipleship strategy. And I think that's what we are called to as well. Um, What we have learned from those who have taught us, we need to be faithful to then pass that on to others who will then faithfully pass that on to others and on down the line. That's Paul's strategy. And that is uh, still God's strategy for discipleship. It's passing the faith on to someone else who will then pass it on to others as well faithfully. Um, There's been some talk and wanting to know what is our strategy to reach people? What is it that we can do to reach those around us? Well, I have a very simple strategy here. We do what Paul's saying right here. I, I don't know... Not everybody has seen the things that I have done over the last three years. Um, But one of the things that I devote myself to is spending time with some young men. Um, I can give you a list of some names. Um, And I've lost my page. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. John. um, Caleb. um, Conway. Bradley. Uh, And others that you've seen here. Some people that I I, I take time and I go and meet with them throughout the week and try to invest in them. We spend some time in the Bible. Um, And we just meet weekly or bi-weekly or monthly or just however often it fits into our schedules. And you know what? That's something that any Christian can do. That's something that any one of you can do. Find someone who's younger in the faith, someone who is not as far as long, and just say, hey... Let's go get coffee sometime. Let's let's meet together sometime. Hey, I need some help with this project. Come and help me with this. And then while you're helping, talk with them. Get somebody who can be your disciple. And then find somebody who can then pass it on to someone else. Once you've worked with them and they get this thing called discipleship, set them loose. Cut them loose and let them start to do the same thing. You know, I don't have faith in mass events and activities. My faith is in one-on-one, person-to-person. And what I've been doing over the last three years, meeting with people, we need to all be doing that. I hope that I've tried to lead by example, but the, the problem with leading by example in that way is you don't see what I do every week. So my encouragement to each of you is find someone. Someone to be your Timothy, and you can be their Paul. Meet with them. And you know what? If you need someone to be your Paul, to, be, to, to have that Paul-Timothy relationship with, 
I, I, I am, I'm, I'm not got my schedule too busy that I can't meet with anybody else. Uh, and sometimes I make efforts to meet with people. There was a Jonah that was here a few uh, months ago. And I started making efforts to try to disciple him. But he decided he wasn't really interested. But you know what? Same thing happened with Jesus. He had his Judas. And, he had, and there were people who um, came and started to follow for a little while. But when Jesus said something hard, they went away. Not everybody you try to build that kind of relationship with is going to stick. And sometimes they don't turn out right. One of the guys I tried to disciple with for a while left his wife for a while. And they're now working it out. They're trying to get things together. But maybe he's like a Peter who denied Jesus. And then Jesus restored him. That is our strategy. Not everybody that we try to work with is going to work out because it didn't work out with Jesus. But that is the strategy that he followed, and that is the strategy that I think the Bible gives us for discipleship. Now let's turn to John chapter 2. John chapter 2. We'll be looking this morning at uh, how Jesus turned water into wine. We know that was the first miracle that Jesus performed in his ministry. We saw in chapter 1 how the disciples, well, it says, John says in chapter 1, we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten Son from the Father. And here in this passage of Scripture that we're looking at today, we're going to see Jesus reveal His glory to His disciples. And they believe. Beginning with verse 1. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with His disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to Him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour is not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now, there were six water, stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled up Fill them up to the brim. And Jesus said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone saves the good wine, serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor, the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did in Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum and his mother and his brothers and his disciples and they stayed there for a few days. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you for your grace and we thank you for your love for us and we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have spoken to us. You have not left us to be stranded with nothing to guide us, but Lord, you have given us your word. Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes and open our ears that we may see and hear and see your glory just as the disciples did on that day. Lord, be with me. I am weak and frail. I am a sinner. And I need your grace just as much as anybody. Lord, give me strength to preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing we see is that Jesus was at a wedding. It was in Galilee. Galilee was a... um, despised territory. It was, it was on the border with the Gentiles and people had intermarried there. They, 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 they looked down on it. It was, it was the rough country. It wasn't like Jerusalem. It was the backwoods. And Jesus was there for a wedding. And of course, what's at every good wedding? Wine. Now, I'm a teetotaler. I don't drink. <laughs> but in that day... You know, they, they had to have, they couldn't drink the water. You know, they had to have uh, something to purify the water, something to kill the bacteria and things like that. Uh, plus, uh, I've said it, said it before, the Bible doesn't condemn drinking. It only condemns drunkenness. It, it condemns being um, in controlled by alcohol. And it gives strong warnings against the influence of, of that and the dangers that it can have. But in general, as you, you saw in the Old Testament, in, in, the, in the reading that Amy read, uh, someone who honors the Lord with his wealth will have vats that are overflowing with wine. That's, that's a positive thing. It's not saying that someone who honors the Lord with his wealth is going to be a drunkard. It's a positive thing. They're going to have overflowing vats with wine. It's a good thing. Now, this wedding, uh, they had to please their guests. They would, have been, they would have been embarrassed. They would have never lived it down if at their wedding they ran out of wine and couldn't serve all of their guests. And Mary, Jesus' mother, noticed that they were out. And they, she went to Jesus and, and she's like, what are you going to do? How, how, they're, they're out of wine. Do something about it, Jesus. We don't want them to, to be embarrassed. We don't want them to never be able to live this down because they've ran out of wine. Jesus gives a strange answer. He says, woman, it's no, none of my business. <laughs> what is that to you and to me? Is what Jesus says. Why is that any of my business, mother? Strange. First of all, sometimes we, we, we see that and we think, well, is Jesus being harsh with his mother? Saying, woman? Well, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. In fact, the other, there's another time in the Gospel of John where Jesus addresses his mother that way. And yet, guess where it is? It's at the cross. Whenever he looks down on his mother and he looks at John and he says, Woman, behold your son. That was a time of tenderness whenever he was there at the cross. 
So it doesn't necessarily mean that whenever Jesus said, woman, what does that have to do with me? It was anything harsh. In fact, it was very, very likely a term of endearment for him. And then he says, why is that my business? What is that to me and to you? Jesus says. Jesus' mission was directed by the hand and the timing of his father. Mary may have tried to push and say, hey, Jesus, here's, here's the time. You know, I know you, you, you were born of a, of a virgin, me. That's what Mary was thinking, you know. Uh, there's, you're a miraculous person. God's spirit was on you from the very beginning. You can do something about this, Jesus. But Jesus was not going to be pushed or pressured by human beings. Even his own mother, he would not be pushed or pressured. Jesus did this miracle not because of the the prodding of his mother. Jesus did this miracle because his time had finally come. His father decided it was time to begin his earthly ministry of miracles. This is applicable to us. We can try to force the Father's hand. We can try to to work things up and try to manipulate God into doing what we want Him to do. But we can't force God to do anything. By our activities and labors, we can't force God to bless it. It's only by God's sovereign design that He, when His hour has come, made that water into wine. We need to look to God. We need to trust His timing. We don't need to get frustrated when things don't happen when we want them to happen. We need to look and trust in Him. And we need to ask Him to come down and move among us. It only happens by prayer. It only comes by repentance and prayer. Then we see not only had they run out of water and, and Jesus or run run out of wine and Jesus was asked to to, to um, create it create or to do a miracle and bring some wine to do something about it. But Jesus said, oh, Jesus' mother says, do whatever He tells you. Those are instructions we need to listen to. We need to do whatever He tells us. Just like Jesus' mother told the servants there at the wedding, do whatever He tells you. We don't need to come up with our own ideas. We don't need to come up with our own strategies and plans. We need to do what He tells us to in His Word. What does He tell us to? Make disciples of all nations. The Great Commission. Make disciples. Baptizing and teaching them whatever I have commanded you. And we don't need little cutesy messages about being friendly. We need the blood of Jesus kind of messages. We need the kind of discipleship that teaches our children that we are sinners, we are black, we are corrupt to the core. We need to teach our children this and we need to tell them there is a Savior 
who died to wash us clean, make us white as snow. We need to do whatever He tells us. Now, it says, now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill these jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the Master of the Feast. So they took it. When the Master of the Feast had tasted the water, now become wine, He didn't know where it came from. The Master of the Feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. When the people have drunk freely, the poor wine. But you've kept the good wine until now. What Jesus did in this miracle made better wine than what happens by natural processes. Do you get that? We make wine by a natural process. You know, you put the you, you squeeze the grapes, you put it in the bottle or whatever, or the vat or whatever, you let it ferment, and, and you let it age. And that's the natural process for making wine. And there's some good wine and there's some not so good wine. But what Jesus did was not done by natural processes. It was done supernaturally at his direction. You know, we can follow natural processes by our strategies and by our programs and by our activities and events. Those are natural processes. What Jesus is telling us to do will give us greater results than any natural processes can give. What Jesus is telling us to do is the greater wine. The abundance of wine. The wine that runs over to where we can't even contain it any longer. When we follow His Word. When we do it His way. This is the first of the signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee. And manifested His glory. Why did Jesus do this miracle? To manifest His glory. Chapter 1 said, We have seen His glory, the, only, the glory of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. His glory that He had from all eternity past with His Father in heaven forever and ever in the past. Jesus revealed and manifested His glory there on that day at that wedding. Why is it that we need to do things the way Jesus said to do them? And not by natural processes. And not by our own strategy or trying to push and, and prod God to do something. Because that's when Jesus receives glory. There's a lot of churches that are built with lots and lots of people that are about an inch deep and a mile wide. Because they do things by natural processes. But the slow and steady way of doing things God's way will dig a well deep and it will never run dry. And His disciples believed Him. 
When Jesus shows His glory, disciples believe in Him. People will believe. People will be saved. We have an epidemic in our world, in our nation, of people walking down an aisle, praying a prayer, signing a card, and then going out and never coming back to the church. We have people who who are on our rolls that we can't find. But when Jesus shows His glory, people believe. People are changed. People are born again. What we need is the fact that our wine has run out. Our wine has run out. And we need Jesus to give us new wine. We need Him to show His glory. We need to get on our faces. And we need to pray for God to do a miracle in His time. And it might not come this week. And it may not come this month. And it may not come this year. It'll happen in the Father's timing when His hour has come. And in the meantime, we reap, we pray, we sow, we don't lose heart. Thank you for listening to this message from Woburn Baptist Church. For more information, please visit us at www.wilburnbaptistchurch.org or you can also like us on Facebook.